When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers. That's right, PHLY. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me as always, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter, Charlie O'Connor. Charlie, happy Mailbag Monday to you, my friend. Gotta love Mailbag Mondays. You it's- also have to love the fact that the Flyers, they do seem to have a willingness and ability to every week or so remind us that like yeah this isn't actually like a stealth cup contender just give us one of those games just like sends everybody back to reality and is like yeah you know we're not that great it's very it's helpful it's very telling that they do this at home Dude. Like, they just also a, seem really bad on Saturdays. Just a reminder, to, yeah they they want to be somewhere else on Saturdays. Yeah. Like we got somewhere to be. Let's wrap this up. Uh, no, it's listen. It, the team has, for the most part, um, really impressed me this season. Just with the way they've played, the quality, the quality of teams that they've looked competitive against. <sighs> But Saturday was not one of those games. No. Uh, they got their asses kicked. They, they just didn't really do anything. Like, there have been games they've lost, and we've come away like, all right, nice. Yeah. Uh, that was not one of them. No, pretty much from the opening face-off to the final buzzer, they were outplayed. And as I talked about in the post-game show, going into Saturday's game, the Los Angeles Kings, because we've talked about how the Flyers have driven play. They've been good at 5-on-5 five five so far this year, a lot better than I think we thought they were going to be. The Kings going into Saturday's game were the best expected goals team in the league so far this season. And I remember thinking going into the game, you know, I wonder how the Flyers are going to be able to handle a team that isn't going through the early season of we're still figuring things out like they're going against a team that's firing on all cylinders that has more talent than they do and what happened was they got blown out of the building and they did like I I do think it's important to always remind everyone like most teams aren't good without their 1C and 1G. Very true. You know, like, Very true. And, and like, listen, I, if Couturier plays in that game, maybe they lose uh, 3-1 or something they instead still of 5 lose. Nothing. Yeah. Like, he's not a, a fix-all, uh, nor is Carter Hart. But, like, it is important to point out their best offensive player and their best defensive player both not in the game. Yeah. Uh, so. Well, and also you think about it, like, number one, obviously, and I'm not saying he's at his peak, but Anzi Kopitar is still a darn good center. It would have helped to have had Sean Gattari go up against him. And then number two, it would have been one thing if you would have had Sam Harrison, who who showed on Friday that he's still a pretty darn good young goalie in that to replace Carter Hart, rather than Cal Peterson, who showed on Saturday that he's probably not yeah. a very good NHL goalie um, at this point. Can they put him back in a game? Well, we're hoping that they might not have to because I guess I'll go into it right now. So so I was told this morning, was able to confirm, um, and then it was later confirmed by the beats that are on the trip. I'll be joining up with the team in L.A. I'm not obviously in San Jose, but I will be heading out to California in a few days. But I was able to confirm that both Sean Gaturier and Carter Hart are on the trip. Uh, then when they hit the ice for practice about half an hour ago, uh, the traveling beats confirmed that they not only are on the trip, but they were also on the ice, which is a good sign. So it's possible we may not have to see another Cal Peterson game because y- you would think that Sam Harrison probably gets the San Jose game. No reason to rush Carter Hart back, even if he's closing in on readiness. But then you have Friday, Saturday. You have the back-to-back. So presumably, you're going to have one goalie play the first, one goalie play the second. You're going to switch off. Now, if Carter Hart is not cleared, 
one of those games will have to go to Cal Peterson. I don't think it has to. Really? You think you think they would start Eris in both games? I don't think they will. I just don't think it has to be that okay, way. Fair. Goalies can play back-to-backs. They fair. will not die. Now... Sam Harrison only faced 22 shots last Friday, and they still elected to go with Peterson on uh, on Saturday. Now, it was against his old team, so you think, okay, well, the exact same thing's happening this week. <laughs> so it's, like, I wondered, yeah. I was like, I asked you, I think, in the post game, like, if it was any other team, do you think maybe they wouldn't have done this? And Because, like, we, Peterson stinks. Like, he's not good. He looks pretty awful. Uh, like, would they maybe think about going Urson back-to-backs? They played him in a bunch of back-to-backs with Lehigh last year. He had only faced the 22 shots, but it's like, all right, let's play him against this old team. That didn't work. That's what they're doing again (laughs) this week. They have the Kings on Saturday again. So we'll see, I guess, how that goes. Is is, is it... It's... Ducks Kings Ducks Kings so yeah so Ducks on Friday Kings on Saturday you almost wonder would if if Hart isn't cleared would they switch it up maybe they go the maybe other they way go Peterson Harrison maybe because they figure the Ducks well, are playing real well too though they are they're, they they're just not beat Vegas they're not as good I don't think as the Kings but you're right they're playing well obviously they blew out the Flyers a few weeks ago and the Flyers were at home in that game so I'm not saying that game's going to be easy I could easily see the Flyers lose it but you would think that if you're trying to hide Cal Peterson a little bit maybe Anaheim is the better team to maybe think to yourself well we might win that game 6-5 whereas I don't think you're scoring six goals against the Kings with the way they're playing right now probably not I will say like are wins and losses the most important thing like we gotta we gotta get everyone out there we have to go Urson back to back like I don't want to rush heart back like that no, makes no sense that makes no sense at all. like if they think it's best not to play and they are like also they just recalled felix sandstrom from his conditioning stint so they could put him on ir yeah, he's injured and it's like <laughs> all right well the one and three are hurt do we really want to put number two back to backs and then it's oh you didn't want to see cal peterson once you got to see him 10 times now <laughs> in a row embrace like, the tank like <laughs> and you guess you know who your number two is an echl goalie like yeah. you know it would it would be become what was it 1819 or 1718 1819 was, was the year of all the goalies it would become eight goalie season again <laughs> real quick so i guess it just makes the most sense to bite the bullet in a game rather than risk yeah well it's going to be a week now congratulations and, and it is certainly possible the card does could come always back. play yeah, because that's the thing so just to break down the logistics of this trip because it's a little unique so the flyers will not play they, they have four straight road games coming they play on Tuesday in San Jose. They play on Friday in Anaheim, Saturday in L.A., and then next Wednesday in Carolina. However, they are not going to go straight from California to Raleigh. What they're going to do is after the game on Saturday, I believe they're traveling on Sunday. Sunday's the travel day. They're actually going to be traveling back to Philly. Then they get a full day off on Monday. Then they're going to practice in Voorhees on Tuesday before they head to Raleigh for the one-gamer. Now... In this situation, you could then theoretically, if you did not think there was any chance that Carter Hart was going to play in any games this week, you could have left him and then thought to yourself, hey, we'll give him the full week in Philly to just focus on rehab, focus on healing up. And then if he's ready by then, we'll pick him up when we stop back in Philly and then we'll take him to Raleigh with us. So the fact that he's on this trip does hint that they at least think it's a possibility. He could get into one of these three games in Cali. And if he can, then suddenly you don't have to worry about Cal Peterson anymore. Like, because that's, I, I think the distinction that you said that they're on the ice is important because these trips especially you know three games in california beginning of the season these are camaraderie builders yeah these are important team building things you want guys on the trip if they can make it so i okay you told me they're on the trip but now you've clarified they're on the ice too right i think is an important distinction here as well and like you said they're coming back to philly before carolina you could have just picked them up on the way back if that's, but they are there. So hopefully we see both because again, yeah, it would be cool to get the number one pick. Also, I got to watch these fucking games at 10 o'clock. <laughs> exactly. And I would like 30 for 10 tomorrow's 30, game. Yeah, I would like to be entertained in some way. I will. So we're going to talk about the sharks in a minute. <laughs> this is my Stanley cup. They have to win this game <laughs> and win it by like a hundred goals. I'm like, I asked our boss Vince earlier. I was like, What's acceptable to you? Like, they've given up 10 in back-to-back games now. Yeah. How many do the Flyers have to... They're going to win. 
Like how many do they have to how win? How many by? do they have to win by? How many do they have to score? And he was like, four, I was like, five minimum. Five They've minimum. given up twenty in two games. They're not even they don't I just like looked at their roster. They've got like four guys I've ever heard of. You know, there like there's an element here with the Sharks where look, every <laughs> hockey team has pride in the sense that yeah. like when you get embarrassed that badly two straight nights and you have basically made yourself into the laughing stock of the entire league, like you would think there's there's gonna be some sort of pushback the next game game they play however as you implied you look at their roster it's and like you think nah. you're like like how much pushback can there be <laughs> like is is hurdle gonna score four goals <laughs> and if he can can they possibly keep it from 10 going in their net like that's that's their season but i do think it's wild that and we'll get to them a little bit later again but just so the, just the fact that like the blackhawks were clearly purposely trying to tank last year for Connor bedard this Sharks team on paper is substantially worse in my mind than that Blackhawks team that was actively trying to tank. And this is nowhere near as good of a draft. Like Macklin Celebrino could be a real good player, but this is not last year's draft. And the Sharks were like, this is a year late for the Sharks. Like, shouldn't you have been doing this last year? Yeah, like just forfeit. Like, <laughs> I, I, just, I, I it, it hasn't been done since the uh, 65 Bruins. That's two years ahead of Bobby Orr's rookie season, a team giving up 10 goals and back. That's games. wild. So we will uh, like. It was. That's not a like. That's a different sport. Nineteen sixty five. Like that's not yeah. even comparable. Yeah. And uh, we, we'll get to it. Uh, but the thing we do have to talk about now, like you know, they're going to have games like that. We talked in the post game after the Saturday loss to the Kings when they don't seriously outwork their opponent. And they don't get the bounces. They're just a little undisciplined. Whatever it is, when they don't bring their A game. Against a good team, this is what it's going to look like. Yeah. Ultimately, the Kings are a considerably better team. We've seen the Flyers overperform expectations against good teams this year. But it's because they worked their asses off. Exactly. It does not. I'm not even saying they were like they mailed it in. They just didn't bring like the A++ effort. And this is what it's going to look like when they don't. But the big story is Cam York. I asked you if he was benched or hurt in the third period. You're like, oh, no, he was benched. He was absolutely benched. He was absolutely <laughs> benched. Cam York has been okay, not great to start this season. The underlying numbers are good. The scoring isn't there. You pointed out he's played, what, like 33 minutes on the power play. He's got zero points. Zero points. That uh, seems hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> Even on this power play. Even on this, they've scored a few goals. They have scored some goals, yeah. Uh, like three or four. Um, it's the penalty kill still. Whatever. Um, <laughs> Cam York, what... What is going on with Cam? He just has not been impressive. Like even if the underlying numbers are good, even if maybe he's been a little better than the average fan thinks, and I will count myself in that group for this conversation. Uh, even you can't make the argument. Actually, he's been good. Like, I, yeah. I, I wouldn't say that. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I would say that he's. To me, he's played like a top four NHL defenseman, which is what I think he is. But they certainly are expecting more from him. I think the, the best argument you could probably make against the underlying numbers, because his underlying numbers are very strong. He's got a 57.42 expected goal share when he's been on the ice. So the Flyers have significantly outplayed the opposition in terms of, of chances when he's been out there. I think you can make a case, and honestly, my eye test lines up with this, you can make a case that that's mostly on Travis Sanheim. And that the Sanheim is dri Sanheim's driving that pair, not And York. the forwards he's often out there Fair. with as a number one defenseman. He's Fair. getting a lot of play with Cates. He's getting a lot of play with Couturier. Guess what they do? Make play go yeah. the other way. But but to me, just, Sanheim, yeah, yes. I watch Sanheim and I'm saying mm -hmm. to myself, man, he's playing well. Yes. And I watch York and it's like, he's, I don't think, aside from Saturday, Saturday, he was awful. He was, he, was, he, he deserved was, the benching. Yes, he was really, really bad. But aside from Saturday, I think at five on five, he's been fine. But I certainly think he is the second wheel on that pair. Like, Travis Sanheim has been the one driving that pair. He's been driving the bus. And what you saw on Saturday was not only was Cam York not driving the bus, he was actively sabotaging the bus. He was poking <laughs> holes in all the tires of the it's, bus. The wheels on the bus are flat because <laughs> Cam York fucking stabbed him with a knife. Yeah, and, like, and, you, and as I said during the game, I tweeted this out. Like, look, this is what happens when you use a 22-year-old on your first pair. He's going to have games like this. You deal with it because the point of this season is development. And I still hold to that. 
However, and this is where you get into the, the Tortorella element of this. So Tortorella benched him for the third period. We obviously asked John Tortorella after the game if he was willing to explain what drove the benching. He was not. And then we asked, essentially, what do you think caused his poor play? And Tortorella responded, I don't know. You're going to have to ask him. I have my thoughts. You definitely are getting the sense that John Tortorella is maybe not, not maybe to the degree that he's not sold on, say, Morgan Frost. But you're getting the sense that John Tortorella is a bit frustrated with Cam York. And I think that mirrors a lot of the opinions of the fans who are watching this team and are saying to themselves, I want to see more from Cam York. I think John Tortorella wants to see a lot more from Cam York. You think, uh, are the Brian Leach comparisons finally? <laughs> I mean, that, that was always It was ridiculous. always ridiculous <laughs> and unfair. I'm just joking. Like, I think back, and I can't remember if I saw this on Twitter or maybe it was a post-game comment when we were talking about um, Cam York on Saturday, but it was a reminder of the first day of training camp and the, you know, the rope skate, the bag skate oh, yeah, that yeah. they do. And somebody said, is it York's conditioning? Someone asked, like, is it his conditioning? Because he did struggle through the bag skate. And it's just a question to me of, like, I'm not going to say he's out of shape, but is he maybe, like, we're seeing Travis Sanheim, his partner, play close to 30 minutes a game yeah, some a, nights. He's a horse out there. He's yeah, yeah, he looks like, you know, he looks like Ivan Provorov taking these minutes. He, yep. He's you know, young Ivan before we turned on him. Right. But <laughs> he looks like a Ryan Suter, someone like somebody who can handle these minutes. Um is York maybe just not built for these minutes? Is he too young? Like does he still need to develop some more strength so he can like deal with the grind of 26 minutes a game? Like do you think it's a physical limitation? You know, it, I can't really answer that completely because I just— You're not as strength Yeah, like, coach, I just yeah. don't know. To me, I mean, you ask any player, any defensive in particular, they're always going to say they want to play more, that they can handle the minutes, that they're strong enough. That said, is it possible that York might— Because there are times where players think they're strong enough to take all the minutes, and then they get out there, and you watch them, and you say to yourself, no, you ideally don't want Cam York playing 24 minutes a night. Maybe he's better in 18 when he can use his energy in, in shorter bursts and be more effective. That's possible. To me, I don't think it's a physical thing, and I don't put a ton of stock in the bag skate because I know fans do, and I know that it's a moment where fans could be like, oh, man, he didn't do that much in the summer, and sometimes that's probably the case. You know, that is part of the point of a John Tortorella bag skate is you damn well better work your ass off in the summer because if you don't, everyone's going to see that you did it, but... You could easily flub, and that by flub, I don't mean, like, everybody finished the bag skate. Cam York finished it, but more like— And we pointed to that out at the time. Like, Tortorella mentioned it, yes. but kind of, like, gave him props yeah. for getting through it, even though he was struggling. Exactly, exactly. And that's what he says, is that the important part about it is finishing, not necessarily looking pretty while you do it. That said, like, you can flub a, a bag skate, one of those rope skates that Tortorella does, just by burning your energy a little bit too quick in the first part, where maybe that first rep— or that second rep, you thought you had more energy than you did, and you did it a little bit faster than you should have, and suddenly you're getting muscle spasms, and you're getting cramps, and you're gassed, and then it's a serious struggle getting through. I don't think the fact that he struggled in the bag skate means that he just partied all summer and didn't do shit. I don't think that's true. I also don't think it's true because it's not like... Like the Flyers have these sports science things. They are, they are monitoring these guys' fitness levels far more than we can by watching them on the ice. And you would think that if York showed up legitimately out of shape, they would not have responded by putting him on the top pair with Travis Sanheim and letting him play 25 minutes a night. So I don't think that's, it's... That's a very, very fair yeah, point. Like, like I don't yeah. think it's a, it's a conditioning thing. I do think that one of the issues with York so far is that he... I get the sense he's struggling a little bit being paired with Sanheim because Sanheim has been so aggressive and 
props to him. He's doing exactly what the coaches want him to do. He's carrying the puck up ice. He's leading the rush. He's in front of the net. Like, yeah. He spent a lot of he spent a lot of the Kings game yeah. below the hash marks on offense. Yeah, there was a lot of time he was in front. Exactly. No, and and, and the Flyers. And I love want that. that. Yeah, I mean, I want that. You want that. John Tortorella wants that. The thing is, is that only one defenseman can be doing that at a, at a time. Yeah. And I think York is maybe struggling a little bit with the balance where, you know, he maybe wants to go. I know Tortorella wants him to take We've chances. We've talked how but the, they are pushing him to try to take chances yes. now. Like maybe even the, the Emil Andre thing was like, it's clear he's not ready. Why is he here? And it's like to point to him and go, you're better than him, but he's doing what we're asking of him. Yeah. So he's here. Yeah. Do what he's doing and everything will be peachy. Yeah. And it's like, he can't get there. But I do see, I hadn't thought of like that balance thing. Like, all right, well, if you're one, like if the one dude is Bobby Orr, like he's just going to be up ice the whole game. Yeah. <laughs> like someone needs to be back. Yeah. Otherwise it's just a jailbreak. Yeah. And I think that's part of it. I also think, Part of it is legitimately on Cam York in that there have been times where Cam York could have been more assertive on the ice, both with the puck and without the puck in terms of trying to kill plays, in terms of bringing the puck up ice, in terms of doing literally anything on the power play. And York has been the passive guy that frustrates John Tortorella, because I think that's really the underlying story here. I still believe in Cam York's talent. I think I don't necessarily think he's going to be a top pair defenseman, but I think there's a good chance he's a darn good second pair defenseman. He's only 22 years old. He's still developing. Important to remember as well. It's very important to remember, but it's also important to remember that one of John Tortorella's prescribed jobs in this rebuild, what Danny Briere and Keith Jones and the entire brain trust want him to do is to tell them who he thinks should be part of this. And I get the sense that John Tortorella gets frustrated that York isn't as assertive on the ice as he thinks he should be. I think that um, was the Kempe goal where it was the bouncing yeah. puck and he just kind of reached her. Like, there's a moment to be aggressive. Either turn around and interfere with the guy or get to that puck first, yeah. get it out. Either take it behind the net or just push it somewhere else. Like, do not. The only thing you can't do is what he let happen. Yeah, which is just and wait it's just for kind it. of yeah. a ridiculous. And then, and then whiff on it. When yeah, it gets like to it's you. just kind of a ridiculous play a little bit. Like that's that's not going to happen again this season probably. But make the play. Yeah. At a certain point, you do have to ask a dude. You have to make this play. Yeah. And I get why he was benched. Like, yeah. And it opens up an interesting question because. John Tortorella is being tasked with deciding who needs to be part of this, who doesn't. Now, I think in an ideal world, they want Cam York to be part of this. He's a first-round pick. He's got talent. You know, he's he, he brings that puck-moving element that I think they all know they need. And he is the perfect age to be part of this long-term thing. So I think they want York to show that he can be part of this. However... I do wonder when we get to the point where John Tortorella starts thinking he's going to start doing some John Tortorella things, which leads us to this week. <laughs> my favorite. This is the topic I want to talk about yeah. today. This is my favorite thing ever. I don't I can't lie and say I don't want to see this happen, because as much as I am a fan, I also like do this every day and uh, we need things to talk about. And this would be something to talk about. But we all remember last season. Flyers are in Calgary, which is the hometown of Travis Sanheim. Travis Sanheim has a bunch of tickets. His family and friends are going. Travis Sanheim ends up not being in the lineup. The Flyers on Friday are in Anaheim. They sure are. The home of Cam York. What if? You laid out an interesting scenario. And this is like, I do think John Tortorella learned last year like the Travis and I think, I, I think he went a little too far this was a little too far yeah this was too much yeah that my locker room almost turned on me yeah. and listen uh, we all wanted to see the team punished and didn't really care about anyone's feelings last year however if you're trying to build a culture the culture can't be let's try to kill the coach when his back <laughs> is turned let's shoot it yeah, right. like I don't think anyone wants that to be the culture uh so I do you think now Sanheim universally liked. He's been here a long time. Cam York, a younger guy, hasn't been playing that well. Do you think he might do it again? Do you think there's a possibility? I mean, I'm not saying I'm expecting it. I am saying that, like, I'm not ruling it out because that was a real bad game by York on Saturday. He did get benched for the third period. 
now the question is like are they actually willing to bench him for victor mete who is the the number yeah, seven the, like it's not like the alternatives that yeah. great but there is a scenario where john tortorella feels like he needs to send the message and you know we talked about this before the show but if i'm john tortorella in my mind and like i feel like cam york needs a wake-up call and I feel like I'm at least pondering the possibility of scratching him in Anaheim. <laughs> what I do is either today or tomorrow, I tell Cam, you are coming to my office. And I say, all right, Cam, we both know you played like crap on Saturday. We both know you have a higher gear. We're playing against the Sharks t- tomorrow or today. They're the Sharks. This is a team you should be able to thrive against. I'm telling you right now, you have a good game. You're getting it on Friday. If you look like you did on Saturday, I'm sorry. I got no choice. I got to sit you in Anaheim. I want to see what you're made of. Step up, shit, or get off the pot. I I would love if that's a thing. And there is like an element of everyone was upset about the Sandheim thing last year. And just the the doing of it, it like it hurt. Yeah. But the lack of communication exactly. leading up, like exactly, he bought these tickets and showed up for his friends and family, presumably, and then they all show up to see him. They're all wearing Sanheim, like probably Calgary Hitmen jerseys and shit. Yeah. And then it's like he ain't here. Yeah. And, and he and, has and, to text them and tell yeah. them like I'm not playing. Well, and it was it wasn't even that. It was the fact that like. He, Sanheim, if I remember correctly, was told via text that he wasn't going to be in the lineup. There, it was there was a communication breakdown yeah. leading up to it. Like as there's well. there's yeah. an element here where if you're going to do something like that, like Tal- that, it's a going nuclear option. And if you're going to do it, you have to treat it with like it's with the, the severity and with the importance that it really holds for these guys. Like to me, if you go to Cam York and you say, "I'm giving you this game," because that was what I said after the Sanheim thing, where. If I was towards, because objectively speaking, the game before that, that Calgary game, Sanheim was awful. I believe it was in Vancouver. He played terribly. He was involved with a bunch of breakdowns. Like, there was justification for some punitive measures. What I would have done if I were towards is I would have called him in my office and been like, if you were playing anywhere else, you'd be scratched. And if you play like shit again tonight, you're going to be scratched next game. But I'm giving you this game because I know it's important to you, and I want you to show me that you deserve to be in this lineup rather than it turn into a near up near revolt from the team because they were all pissed off that he screwed over Santa. To me, if you put the ball in Cam York's court and you say, look, man, you're, you're getting the start against the Sharks. Go out there and show me you're a great player. And if you don't, you might not like what happens next. To me, like, yeah, players might get pissed, but once they hear the story, I think they'd at least understand. And like... It's an AHL team. Yeah. He better look good because, like, he need because uh, yeah. I need him to be a part of this thing, and they're yeah. horrible. Yeah. Like, you're better than half of their roster at least. Yeah. Go yeah. show it, you yeah. know? Exactly. I don't, no matter what you think of Cam York, he's better than most of the guys on the Sharks. <laughs> uh, anyway, Cam York probably has a big ticket demand coming up. You know, he's going home. Yeah. It's his friends and family. Like, Yo, let me get the hookup. Well, Cam... If it's a little expensive, maybe going through the NHL, may I suggest downloading the Game Time app? <laughs> Listen, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you with killer deals on last minute tickets and their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game Time is the place for last minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event which could be good if this is a cam york situation where he's like i don't know he's if i'm gonna sell the i don't know if i'm gonna oh, be God. playing on friday That's awful. I, I, I gotta get these things and then maybe he can sell them on that day if he needs to oh, get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football basketball baseball concerts comedy theater and more the game time guarantee means you'll always get the best price if you find tickets in the same section and row for less game time will credit you 110 percent of the difference so snag the tickets without the stress of game time download the game time app create an account and use code phly for twenty dollars off your first purchase terms apply again create an account and redeem code phly for twenty dollars off download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed i like how that all came together yeah with it was the a good one York it was one of your better ones that was that was really i don't like i just want to see him be good yeah and but it would be something to talk about 
I it, mean, it would be a thing from a media perspective. This would be gold. It would definitely be a thing. And look, I am very much a Cam York supporter. I think Cam York is a good player, and I think Cam York. In an ideal world, I don't. I personally don't see a first pair defenseman. I don't see a power play one defenseman. But I do see a guy who could be a darn good second pair defenseman and could be part of this for the next eight, ten years. And he could be. I see Cam York because we've been talking about this so much. I see Cam York as someone who can be part of the next great Flyers team. Now, is he a top of the lineup guy on the next great, great Flyers team? Probably not. But I think he could be a darn good middle of the lineup guy on the next great Flyers team. So I want to see him show that. Saturday was a one-game aberration. I want to see him show that he can be more active offensively, and I want to see him, if he's going to stay on that top pair with Sanheim, I want to see him show that he doesn't have to always defer to Sanheim, that this can be like, you know, going back to to another pairing that Torts coached, and I don't think that these that either of these guys are as talented as the guys he had in Columbus, but like Torts put Wierenski and, and Seth Jones together and just basically and like they let weren't them, playing yeah. defense. Like he let them rove. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's sort of what Torts kind of wants to see. Like he's thinking to himself, Sanheim's doing exactly what I want him to do, and Cam ain't. So Cam, you gotta start doing that no, too. No, like Sanheim and York were paired together. They were both minus three. Sanheim ended up minus four. Ain't no one talking about like, oh, is Sanheim? Yeah, like, exactly. you know, like it's we not, don't watch the game. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's like, oh, no, York deserved it. It's like, well, Sanheim was minus four and 28. Yeah, it don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It wasn't him. It wasn't him. Uh, so we got the York conversation. And to a uh, to some extent, like. I think he and Noah Cates have kind of been put together like in a they're playing fine, but we want a lot more from them. And then when they have a bad game, it like really like, OK, if if fine is the ceiling and they have a lower floor than we thought, then eh. so uh, it is time for just another mailbag Monday. <laughs> I sang it for you a little bit. Little um, bit. So we have a question uh, kind of pertaining to this to lead things off for this segment, and it's from Ethan Freeman. Uh, he asks, is Noah Cage trending towards a sophomore slump season? I don't just mean that in goals, assists, uh, in the goals and assists he is generating, he seems to be fighting the puck a bit more than last year. Will Coots Jr. find his footing again soon? Now, this comes off a game where he and Owen Tippett were also uh, minus three in that L.A. game. Goaltending comes into it. Uh, matchup kind of comes into it a little bit. It just kind of looks like they were underwater in the matchup they're in. That's yeah. why Quinton Byfield had three assists. Yeah. Um, what do, what are you seeing out of Noah Cates? Because we've had this conversation a little bit, but now the Saturday game kind of puts it in the spotlight. Well, he, he had a tough week. You know, this is this is a conversation that you have to have after a guy has a week like he had. You know, he's been he was involved in in two late defensive zone turnovers that led to game-winning goals. He wasn't great on Saturday. Yeah, he's going through it a little bit right now, without a doubt. And, you know, the underlying numbers are still strong. It's not like the floor has completely fallen out from under him. I think, you know, I really liked what he was bringing to that, uh, the brink Faraby line. He was centering those two guys. Now, granted, we've seen them also succeed with other centers now. Like yeah. they did it with Lawton too. So you start thinking to yourself like, okay, how much of that was Kate's playing well? And how much of that was him being a little bit of a passenger for the two wingers that are showcasing really good chemistry together. And that's fair. That said, I've seen enough from Kate's to think that like this is just going to be a bump in the road. I believe someone asked me this. I forget which one of the mailbags it was um, up on allphly.com. Not sure if it was the diehard one or if it was the, the normal one available to everyone. But I basically said, look, I expect in the next couple weeks he's going to get past this and Noah Cates is going to be going to have figured this out. I theorize that maybe part of it is that there was kind of a mandate for him to focus a little bit more on offense this year. The offensive impact numbers are actually significantly better than they were last year. His defense numbers have gotten worse. Maybe this is just him trying to find a balance between taking more risks versus still being the defensive player that endeared him to torts in the first place. The thing that Case has going for him, which I think is a little bit of a distinction between him and Cam York, is that torts 
naturally really likes Noah Cates. He really likes his, his, his attitude, his approach to the game. He sees in Noah Cates kind of like a guy that is always going to be a coach's favorite. Cam York is a little bit different because Cam York has that California cool personality. That's, we that just, is very much not a John Tortorella personality. We were just talking about how he's from Anaheim and like perhaps that bit of his personality is bleeding over into his play. Maybe. And that's the uh, last thing John Tortorella wants to see. It's not a John Tortorella type of approach no. to the game. He wants guys that are attacking the game. And Noah Cates actually is a pretty low-key personality, but on the ice, he is a very diligent, like he attacks, no, he tries to force turnovers, he forechecks like crazy. <laughs> Whereas York just kind of, and he's always been like this, where it's a calmness. And when he's playing well, you could say, man, he looks so calm. He looks so controlled. When he's not playing well, you're like, man, he doesn't even look like he's engaged with the play at all. And that's the issue with that style of play. And that's why I think I think John Tortorella is going to be more willing to deal with Noah Cates' mistakes as opposed to Cam York's mistakes. It's like the... Um I can't compare like Jeff Carter was an excellent player in this league for a long time. So it's hard, but like the, when you're so good or so smooth, I guess that you don't look like you're trying when you play poorly, people will be like, see, yeah. like I just always remember my dad said Mike Schmidt would dive and he'd come up and his Jersey would still be clean. <laughs> and it's like, well, like what does that even mean? Yeah. First of all, yeah. but it's just like, yeah, some guys, your personality, make it, you know, some guys make it look easy. Yes. And, and your personality. Yeah. And when you can make it look easy, get held against you when it's, things don't go your way. Especially in Philly. Yes. And well, I think that's something that yeah. like, it's absolutely something that's a Philadelphia fan thing. We love the guys who are like rolling around in the dirt, baseball players. We love the, the, the ferocious hitters. You know, we, we like, the guys that that have a little dirt on their jerseys and i think john tortorella shares that sentiment with philadelphia fans and in the case of cam york i think it may lead him and i'm not saying they can't figure it out i'm just saying it may lead tortorella not to cut him the kind of slack that he might cut someone you know someone like noah case to be sure but also like honestly someone like travis connecting like travis connecting is going to make mistakes but travis connecting is a freaking tryhard out there yeah. he's everywhere no yeah he's an asshole when he plays like and that's yeah. that's what john tortorella wants yeah exactly you know, he's he, that's exactly it all right so uh next question is from joe tagliaferro uh, he says, once again, the power play has become a major issue, almost always draining any momentum the Flyers have. How does this team's current power play formation and entry method differ from teams that can get set up and generate more chances? Yeah, I, well, it's bad. I, number one, <laughs> like, like there isn't really a lot more analysis is necessary than oh my god it's bad i will say and i mentioned this on the post game i do think that and i actually think that the re-addition of morgan frost the lineup has helped i think the entries are getting better they're getting into the zone better now more efficiently cleaner they're getting set up whereas early in the year they weren't even doing that so there is some progress being made the problem is is that now when they get into the zone they don't have a freaking clue what to do with the puck it it looks like they're set up and somehow it's still a broken play. Yeah. Like, yeah. it's just, okay, Bobby Brink has the puck on his stick on the right side and he has to skate around to make other people move so that there's someone maybe gets opened. Yeah. And we said, like, you have more guys. Someone should be opened yeah. and they are just incapable of finding it. I agree. Like, I will say, and maybe, like, I do see other teams do it. I could do without ever seeing a slingshot pass again. <laughs> Fans hate it so much. It's just been going on for so long <laughs> with like a every year it seems with less and less degree of success. But like that's the entries have been better. Like it is no longer I think as much of a struggle to get in. Uh, they could do a little bit better I think in the face-off circle. I'd agree with that. Just yeah. um uh, just as a team and overall. And obviously the, the absence of Couturier hurts. Yeah. In addition Couturier hasn't been the face-off dynamo that he usually is. Maybe that's a little bit of the rust factor. It's so the rust, and I'll say for a while there, like when he became excellent, well, it was him and G. That's fair. And they're the only going on their strong side. Yeah, the lefty That's why they're thing. both at like almost 60%. It's a good point. Like, it's a good point. Yeah, instead of being 52, we're 58 because we only go on our strong sides. I can see it coming down a little, but I just think overall, like in a 60 minute game, face off numbers are overrated. 
on special teams, they could not be more important. Yeah. Like, you're, uh, you're in, set in, up. Individual plays, they're yeah. real important. And it's hurt them on the power play. I do agree with that. I... I the big question that comes up with the power play, and it's it's who's going to do the well, big who's going to make the play. Well, it's, I mean that, but but like it's is this a coaching problem or is it a talent problem? And I think the answer is yes. yes. Like it's both <laughs> because yes, they don't have, and that speaks to what you just said that they don't have that one guy. Like you mentioned about Bobby Brink, he'll have the puck and he'll be skating around waiting. He's for somebody a righty to on move. the right side with the puck. It's like well, he can only pass, yeah. and no one's open. But my so. but my point is is like. In the old days, and by the old days, I mean like in the Claude Giroux days. Yeah. The Flyers were set up on the power play, not when they got the puck in the zone. They were set up on the power play when the puck got to Claude Giroux in his spot. And that's when you knew, yep, they're set up. They don't have that now. They don't have a moment where the puck is in the hands of a certain guy and you say, all right, now let's cook. They just don't have that. They're just, they're constantly trying to gather the ingredients. They're never actually cooking. And I've said it that I think they need to find someone, someone on the team needs to step up and be like, this is my power play unit. I'm taking charge. But it's hard to do that. Number one, when nobody is close to the level of Claude Giroux's talent. But number two, when the coaches aren't putting the players in spots where they would have the confidence to even try that. That's huge. Just like, yeah, I mean, it was Giroux. It yeah. was Claude Giroux. That's what made that power play go. But they also like had everyone in a role. Yeah. And you saw even as they mixed and matched pieces, as guys came in and came out, they everyone knew what they were supposed to do. Like they had their net front guy in Simmons and later JVR. They had their bumper guy. It was Hartnell. And then it was Shen. And then it was Couturier. Right. They had their man at the top, whether it was Timonen or Strite or uh, Ghost, Ghost yeah. or you know whoever after Ghost <laughs> that they would throw up there, whoever would fail in the role. But they had someone. And then on the opposite side, you had, he was never going to shoot a one-timer, but you had the cross ice option between G and Jake and everyone had their role. Who the fuck has it? Like, we don't know yet. We don't even know who these guys are for the most part. Like, yeah, I want Tippett ripping one-timers and I want Forster in kind of the same spot. It would be nice if, if Frost and or Brink could feed them. What else? Who's our net front guy? Because last last game we saw Morgan Frost doing it, and that's LOL. Probably the most insane strategic it's, move I've seen the Flyers do this really, year. It's really, it's maybe overthinking like, well, because in my mind it's okay, he's behind the net to distribute, and then he pops in front to get a tip or something. I would love that. But, like, but actually do but that. But like he's, <laughs> he's actually in front trying to be the dude, and it's like the goalie's taller than him. Yeah. What are we doing? He's skinny. He's and looking over. Him. Yeah, like he, Sprouse is a skinny dude yeah. who is a passer. He is not the kind of guy who, if he gets jostled in front of the net, he's going to be able to have an impact. He's going to get knocked out of the way. Like the thumbnail for this show it's was Morgan Frost in front of the net with Drew Dowdy next to him. Like, yeah, who's winning that physical battle? Yeah, like, come on. One of the toughest defensemen in the last twenty years, or Morgan Frost, who's not an everyday player. Yeah, like, like this, it's this truly, is insanity. It's truly insane. And to this point, uh, are one of our re, uh, regular commenters sg bunch of numbers asks because you bring up the uh the coaching why don't they just hire bruce boudreau to fix the power play the guy is an offensive mastermind i would love it simply because ham i mean (laughs) the man looks like ham everything i've heard is that boudreau is an amazing dude however it would shock me if he was willing to come back for anything other than a head coaching position. It would be surprised. It would be cool. I'm sure he'd be a great power play coach. I do not doubt that. I just don't know why he would take that job. Like, the dream, truthfully, would be if they could get Mullen back, but he never wants to come back. So they got to find a better coach. And maybe Rocky Thompson can become that guy. But so far, well, I'm not saying I'm not saying that he hasn't been tasked. It's not that he hasn't been given a tough assignment. There isn't a ton of talent. There aren't a lot of guys who fit neatly into one specific role, as you mentioned. But there are enough pieces here that you think it should be better than it's been. It shouldn't be this bad. And it's on Rocky Thompson to figure it out. Uh, Our next question comes from Luca Didel. Uh, Lucello888 on Twitter. How much development do you need to see from the younger players to change the equation from trading Sanheim, Konechny, Hart, and potentially Atkinson to not trading them? I'll just say 
Like Atkinson to me has to be traded. I, I agree. I, I don't this think this year or in the offseason. Yeah, At some yeah. point in the very near future, Cam Atkinson needs to be elsewhere. There aren't enough spots, and he does not factor in. I agree. Um, Sanheim. I don't see how you can trade him right now. He's their only defenseman. And he's got a no-trade clause. And he has the If no he doesn't want to leave, they yeah. can't get him to leave. And they don't like, yes, I like what I'm seeing out of Igor Zamula. Cam York, there's definitely something there. We got to see it. Looks like Sean Walker can play. I also think he's on an expiring. Yes, yeah. Um, Risto's Risto. We might never see him again. Who the <laughs> hell knows? Oh, God. Listen, no, I don't, I'm not like trying to report he's hurt forever. I'm just saying we have a guy who... Just kind of disappeared again. Yep. So who we have knows? Pre- we have precedent. Yeah. Here. Like it, it, this has happened before. It has happened before. <laughs> we both love Major League so much. Um, Such a great movie. I uh, just like Sandheim's our only fucking defenseman. There, you can't trade him yeah. <laughs> unless you yeah. find five other guys. Uh, Konechny is the interesting one. He is, and like, and Hart, but the Hart Hart situation is more complicated because of Hockey Cat. Yeah, the Hart thing. Like Vince asked me before the show, and I was gonna like throw this in, like get a question from uh, Vince, our boss. <laughs> uh, but like the Konechny thing, it they love him. The coach loves him. It would be really cool to have a guy who's here forever and like who is our Marshand. Like, yeah, in ten years, what if he's our captain? You know, what if he's just that dude forever? Um, it also, depending on timeline, might make zero sense to keep it. Yeah, we'll see. I think you can you can wait this year out to see how this year plays out. But I do think that, honestly, there has been enough positive developments from certain young guys to make me think that I am no longer of the opinion that Travis Konechny has to be moved, which was my opinion last summer, that he needs to be moved, that signing him to an extension when his contract's up in 2025 would be foolish, given the fact that I think this team is four or five years away from being a realistic contender, maybe even that long away from being a playoff contender. We're seeing Joel Farabee take a step. Bobby Brink looks a lot better than than we thought. You know, Cutter Gauthier will be here probably at the end of his season, depending on how long his playoff run with his college team lasts. Mave Mitchkoff is going to take a while. But, like, they're seeing pieces come together quicker um Tyson Forrester obviously has struggled so far but there's been some positive signs and I think he will get it going at some point like we are seeing positives the fact that Sean Couturier can apparently still play and still play at a pretty high level the fact that the Travis Sanheim contract if they're stuck with it might not be a cap killing albatross there have been a lot of developments that make me think hey maybe I could be convinced that Travis Konechny can be part of this that said we're only what what is it 12 13 games in at this point it's still early and there's no reason to rush i mentioned this in my mailbag about connecting i don't think you have to rush to trade him because he's got another year he's got another year and you're even if you end up moving him at the 2025 deadline two months two three months before the end of the season before the end of his contract whatever I still think he brings you back a first round pick. Yeah. Now you might get a little bit more if you're trading for a year and a half of him versus a few months. But look, it's the trade deadline. Teams want to win a cup. You're still going to be able to get a pretty darn good package, even if you push the can that far down the road. So I don't think you necessarily need to make a, a clear cut. We need to keep, or we need to trade Travis Konechny. The first time you need to think about it, really think about it is July 1st of the summer when you can start potentially negotiating with him. And then you have to, decide for yourself okay are we ready to maybe turn the corner in the next few years or is this going to take another half decade and if it's going to take another half decade then we probably need to start figuring out what we can get for Travis Konechny I don't think you need to make the decision yet I think you can still do a wait and see approach I know the heart thing is complicated because of Hockey Canada but he does have an expiring cut. Like he's gonna he's gonna be an arbitration eligible RFA, which means he's eligible to sign an offer sheet. I know there aren't gonna be any <laughs> offer sheets. I'm just saying it is a non-zero possibility. And if he doesn't sign an offer sheet, you have to sign him probably for a lot of money. Yeah. Like they are in a tough position with Carter Hart. Um what do you think he's worth? It's a good question. You know, I, I think he's got to be worth, assuming that he plays out this season and puts up pretty good numbers, maybe not 
920 save percentage plus good numbers, but he's in the the mid 910s, has a pretty good year, you know, in front of a better defensive team with Tortorella coaching now than the last couple years. I mean, to me, given the amount of time he's played, uh, given his age, I think he's probably realistically getting at least at the very least higher than six million dollars on the cap i think probably higher than seven like i think he probably goes into negotiations and asks for eight and then maybe you bring him down but like i think that's probably what he's going for because look if that's the case do you have to trade him well or you decide he's your guy and you say you know what the cap's going up and he's still in his prime let's just roll with him because look I like Sam Harrison. I think Sam Harrison is talented. I'm excited about Alexei Kolosov. You know, they obviously spent a second round pick on Carson Bjarnason. He's going to take more time. So they have guys in the pipeline, but they don't have anybody that I, I am convinced is a number one caliber goalie. I don't know if Carter Hart is a, is a star goalie, but I think he's an NHL number one. And again, if you're thinking maybe you can turn this corner in two, three years, you're going to need a goalie. I, I don't know. I, uh, we're going to answer one more today from today's mailbag. It's a running joke. We'll finish, you know, Monday mailbag on like Thursday. Um, but before we do that, I got to talk to you a little bit about diehard memberships here at PHLY. Uh, Charlie has been pumping out content for them. I have the Discord opened right now. Uh, the One of the great benefits of being a diehard member for PHLY, access to the Discord. Uh, all the teams have their own little chat rooms. And listen, you want to be featured in one of these uh, one of these mailbags? Guess what? Sometimes I just go in the Discord be like, time for <laughs> questions. Charlie just wrote an article that was only questions from diehard members, and you can only read it if you're a diehard member. We have a lot of content coming uh, for allphly.com, for diehards. Uh, your partner, Alex Appleyard, uh, one of our uh, prospect anal- analyzers. How would we? Analysts. <laughs> I, analysts, yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> I knew analyzers wasn't right, but the thing I was going to say before that was even more wrong. I think I think analyzer is a word. It's just not the best. I word. don't think that's the way you should say <laughs> it's it. It's just not the best. Yeah, word. the thing I was going to say before that was definitely not right. But anyway, like Alex will have some stuff up there. And yeah, he's he's wor- he's working on a piece right now. He's going to be doing prospect articles for us on a semi-regular basis, kind of what he did at The Athletic in the beginning before they moved away from the uh, the freelancer, I guess, model that we started out with. But Alex is going to be doing articles on prospects. He's working on one right now that I think you all will will like a lot um, on a, a certain you know, player who maybe plays on another continent who everyone's very interested about. Interested to read or watch anything about. Just say it. You might like that. That might be good. So if you're really into the prospect stuff, and you should be, the Flyers have some good ones. That'll be up there. And you got a free shirt when you sign up. It's sure all do. worth it. We're always working on ways to make the benefits more, uh, like, uh, better for everyone. There's going to be uh, discounts on events that we're going to do coming up. It's going to be really cool. It yeah, is and, really and, cool and even right going, now. Going away from the Flyers stuff you know we're getting um a lot more content as well if you're fans of other philadelphia sports teams because you get access to everything so you know zach and Bo on the eagles coverage they've relaunched their their pregame email back and forth ah. which was a staple of the athletic coverage that's a diehard subscriber only type of piece i know after the uh the james harden trade you had the the instant analysis which was free from uh, from kyle the great kyle newbeck and then a couple days later you had Derek bodner go super in depth you know into the cap implications and all that stuff and that was a diehard members only type of article that's the kind of stuff that that we're going to be pumping out more on the regular i'm trying to do a diehard article a week um whether that's the return a a one night only return of the classic three thousand word 10 things post game (laughs) article or whether it's a feature i've been working on for a while or whether it's a diehard mailbag you know hey if you're in the discord you get your question answered regardless of how dumb it is you can ask me as dumb a question as you want if you're in the discord it's going in the diehard mailbag you see you can get your questions answered by charlie i asked him a very simple question for his last mailbag didn't answer it yeah refused to answer it yeah it was a bad question I, this is Sorry. bullshit just like, did, I, didn't make the cut i work here too <laughs> nothing but if you're in the discord you get your questions answered so sign up all phly.com listen you're a diehard fan that means you want to look like a diehard fan as well 
The best way to do that is by shopping at FOCO because FOCO has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day and more. Listen, maybe you need uh, some accessories, toys, collectibles, or novelty items for your man cave, she shed, or podcast set. You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show. And for all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY for 10% off. That's promo code PHLY. FOCO. Yeah, they still got the overalls. Yeah, uh, if you want them. <laughs> do one more. <laughs> got a lot of other stuff, too. Do one more mailbag question today. It's from uh, FlyersFan39. What do you think fair market value is for our older, movable talent? He cites Konechny, Atkinson, and uh, Lawton in terms of draft picks. And I wanted to take this in another direction okay. a little bit because this is something dealing with the heart thing that Vince brought up. Like, at what point should we be looking more for? And there's only so many roster spots. I get it. Draft picks are, you know, future. You always need to stock the talent pool. Sure. I'm looking at this blue line. I'm looking for some Owen Tippett like defenders, sure. some guys who are like, yeah, they're NHL players, but we're a win now team and they're a project like some dudes who might fit into there. When do you start focusing on that more than draft picks? And do you think any of these dudes could bring in a player like that? You know, it's, it's an interesting question because. I think in an ideal world, yeah, I think the Flyers would love to to, to pick up, you know, a, a potential 21, 22, 23 year old top four defenseman that very obviously fits the timeline. I think they would love that to pick up some like rather than trade Scott Lawton for a first a late first round pick that's going to be 30th, then trade him for a 23 year old defenseman. The, the problem really with that is it's twofold. First, the, the major issue is that. There's only so many spots that you have to work. Like, it was easier with Owen Tippett because, number one, a lot of guys were injured and there was space. And it was like, what the hell? Let's see if we can turn this guy into something. You only have six spots on defense. Seven, I guess, if you go with an 11-7. And in that case, a couple of the guys really aren't playing that much anyway. And you're trying to develop your own guys. I mean, they're trying to figure out what they have in Cam York, in Igor Zamula, in Emil Andre, Ronnie Adderts around, Adam Jennings around. So... I don't know, unless there's a guy who the scouting department just says, get him, we can turn him into a top pair guy, even, even though he's struggling in his current environment. That's the only scenario I could see them going with, like, a project-type defenseman. On the flip side... Yeah, it would be freaking great. Like Vince brought up Bowen Byram. I would freaking love it I if they got Bowen Byram. That would be great. I do not think Colorado is ever trading Bowen Byram. That's the problem. That, that his idea was Carter Hart for Bowen yeah. Byram. But that but the thing is, is like if you're a team like Colorado, I'm not saying that they're not they wouldn't be open to the idea of more of a traditional hockey trade if they think it make, think it makes them better. But when they're gunning for cups, they're more looking to add without subtracting. Yeah. And so on uh, someone like Bowen Byram, well, I think he's real good. I can't envision a scenario like they would rather pay more in draft picks to get Carter Hart to solidify their goaltending position than to take something away from their blue line. How goddamn greedy can it be? You already have McCarr, (laughs) Taves, and uh, Sam Girard, and you're like, oh, yeah, we're not going to give you a buy. Like, God God damn it, Colorado. If you've got the great players, why lose them? God damn at least Flyers Nash- need more great players. At least Nashville spread their dudes around throughout the league. That's fair. Like they have, I'm just, yeah. Uh, so that's going to be it for today's mailbag. We'll get to more questions tomorrow. I'm going to take some Discord questions. Of course, if you want to join the Discord, all you got to do, allphly.com, become a diehard member. Uh, but we're going to get a little into, and we can talk about the Sharks a bit more tomorrow. But, I mean, they're the biggest story in hockey right now. Who cares about, like, yeah, right. oh, yeah, Anaheim, overperforming. Vancouver doing real good. Vancouver, awesome. Vegas, awesome. No, the biggest story in hockey is the 0-10-1 San Jose Sharks. (laughs) They have allowed 10 goals in back-to-back games. This is my Stanley Cup, Charlie. They cannot lose. They cannot be the team to give them their first loss. Like everyone's like, oh well, they're gonna win eventually. And like the longer it goes, the like no. 
No. <laughs> All you have to do is show up, like bring your A game, and they will not beat you. They can't. They're incapable. They have surrendered 20 goals in two games. That tells me they're not an NHL team. You should beat them. This is like the, well, could Alabama beat the Browns? No, they can't. <laughs> everyone on the Browns is an NFL player. Like Everyone on the Flyers is an NHL player. Most of the Sharks clearly aren't. Their goaltending is terrible. This is the most important game of the season by far to me. You cannot lose. It is definitely getting to the point where no, none of the other NHL teams want to be the team I that loses to I think that's working these against the Sharks. Like No one's going to go in and overlook them yeah. because the potential embarrassment of being that team. Yeah. Like they, 0-82 might really be on the table simply because every team is like, we can't. That's, we cannot lose. That said, though, it would be so Philadelphia most, Flyers. I it would might, be so Philadelphia Flyers. I might bet on the Sharks. <laughs> just, I'm just an no, emotional my, hedge. My one point on this game is... After surrendering 20 goals in two games, Tyson Forster must score. Okay. If Tyson Forster does not score, I am 100% for him sitting out the next game. Kid, something's the matter. You need a, game, you need a day <laughs> off. I, I'm, I'm not even saying this to be mean. I really want him to score in this game. I want him to score three. God. <laughs> Like, there's no excuse yeah. not to score against a team that's getting like 800, 800 goaltending. Yeah. Mackenzie Blackwood forever. Yeah. Still, be Black. still better than Carter Hart. Still better than Car <laughs> Carter Hart's not going to play, and he's going to have a better game than Mackenzie Blackwood. <laughs> Tell me that right now. All right. Uh, do we have any? We're going to talk. We'll preview the Sharks game and like all that for real tomorrow, and we'll get to more mailbag questions. But I think that wraps it up. I think so. That is all the time we have for you on PHLY Flyers for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out if you haven't already you got to hit that subscribe button follow us on twitter follow the podcast subscribe on youtube all of that stuff all phly.com all right my name is bill Matz for charlie o'connor dallas sucks